Hello, sports fans. You're in the group chat. The Texans are going to play again here shortly. So quickly, let's get to what happened on Sunday and let's get after the rest of the storylines associated with the team that we talk about. My biggest takeaway from the game was that when you have an offensive line protecting Deshaun Watson, even though there are so many things wrong with the organization, he makes the head coaching job for this team a good job because I thought this was, especially the first half, maybe at the highest level that I've seen Deshaun play. I think since the Pittsburgh game, he's been throwing the ball either with more velocity or decisiveness. But you look at like the first touchdown drive and he's hitting Brandon Cooks and Jordan Akins and just the pinpoint accuracy. That's about as good as I've seen him play. Maybe it didn't quite last the whole game, but it just tells you that even though there's not enough cap space, even though you were without your first and second round pick, this is still a place you can win because of who the franchise quarterback is. My biggest takeaway was I feel like the receiving core is fine. I feel like you can roll with these guys moving forward. So I do feel like Deshaun has his weapons. I've also liked uh, what I see from the tight ends. And I was very happy for Kiki QT as well because sometimes – uh, a young player like that can be crushed uh, when a coach plays mind games with him like Bill O'Brien played mind games with him but Kiki QT it seems like whenever he's in he seems ready to go uh, and, it, and it was good to see Kiki QT uh, out there the run game sucks that's the other thing like this this run game and Romeo <laughs> saying it was because of COVID it's, it's, it's the worst run game I've ever seen and, and it it's really crazy is. with everything they have invested like they can't do anything and Romeo blamed COVID which makes no sense because Laramie Tunsil uh training camp last year Carlos Hyde wasn't at training camp and you still ran the rock and you got five starters in the same system so it's not COVID the run game just sucks I don't know I don't know how they fix it but the run game is awful Uh, they need a new run game and by the way I also thought this I think yesterday was a, was a mirror image of why the Laramie Tunsil trade was such a bad trade because I don't think that the that the impact he has is is valid with it you can validate that with the money he's making and how much you gave up for him. I I, I think I, I looked at it and thought, man, Laramie Tunsil, that trade sucked really bad. Well, the one thing I will say real quick uh, is if they were going to miss Tunsil for a game, this was the one because this might be the worst pass rush in the NFL. I mean, this Patriots team... I mean, they had like seven guys opt out. Uh, well, they had seven guys opt out. They, they just... they. I mean, Vinoy left, Jamie uh, yeah. Collins left. We saw them against the Jets on Monday night a couple weeks ago. Like, they do not come close touching the quarterback. So, I, I agree with your overall assessment of the Tunsil trade. I think he's a really good player. But in a game like this, it illustrates that like... I, I think they missed him for the right game. I'll put it that way. I love that they didn't stick with trying to run the football when they realized they couldn't run the football just what uh, 12 or so rushes at one point it was just 10 rushes by the running backs uh, that weren't uh, you know twin rushing attempts that weren't Deshaun Watson and by the way those were mostly scrambles not like it's designed so I did like that they didn't try to stick with it when they knew it wasn't going to work or they saw that it wasn't going to work and I thought there were just kind of little specks little bright spots you Landry talked about the the wide receivers it may be the whole receiving unit when you think about how effective Fells was in the little moments that he got. Farrell Brown had a nice catch or two. Jordan Akins had a career high for a single game. Um, and, you know, I think about if he hadn't missed three, four weeks, you know, could we have seen an even better progression from him? And then you just hope the next coaching staff, they can fix the rushing attack, regardless of who the, the pieces or 
players are in that spot. And then Justin Reed finally had a really good game. I mean, yeah, he, he responded well. He hadn't had a really good game in 2020 after he'd had a solid 18 and a solid 19, and the 19 was with injury. So there were certainly high expectations, and I know they'd sort of changed the job description this year. But to finally have that game and be capable of that and really to get a win over a team that most years over the past couple years this Texans group would have lost that game and I know the wins and losses matter a whole lot less now than they you know did probably you know a few weeks ago but to get a win that they you know these this group of players would have previously lost I thought was a nice little move as well the Reed thing he was tremendous that was the best game that he's ever played I mean you're talking about nine tackles three and a half tackles for loss the one sack which was big because it was on second down leading to third and long Uh, I just thought he was superb between his contain the way he played I thought John Harris put it well on Twitter when he talked about how it was like controlled aggression from Reed it was not playing out of control And, and I like that he actually on Twitter made a comment about how like Rivers McCown's criticism of him last week how he kind of took it to heart and he played better which is what I wanted him to do like don't clap back at somebody get on the field and play better and he did he played an excellent excellent game he was their second best player this defense is so bad though oh yeah it's really bad. I mean Zach Cunningham's <laughs> leading the league in tackles though yep. uh, there is that but yeah Reed played really good but this defense is just really I, really bad I like would, it's, it's awful I would say for Anthony Weaver to have the bold comments that he had and and to be very upset with the way his defense was characterized to have this New England team that is a rush first team that has the ability the talent they have for them to come in and not absolutely shove it down your throat for four quarters outside of that first drive they really did they really had to work for everything they got I thought that was a pretty good job by Weaver's defense now it doesn't matter because I don't believe Anthony Weaver is going to be around next year I don't believe a lot of these defenders should be around next year but it, it was nice you know see hey you're going to see key players who are going to play key roles going forward. Justin Reed, Lonnie Johnson, John Grenard. There is something that you can pay attention to here as this season starts, you know, as you play the string out for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think this week is – I mean, if you can win two games in, in this span, I, I do think it goes somewhere. A lot of people talk about the season being lost. I actually think Deshaun's becoming a better football player uh, this year. I think this year is actually going to make him even better moving forward, especially when he gets the right guy in. And I think Justin Reed uh, falls under that as well, uh, and it was it, it was really just good to, good to see him beat the Patriots. Man, it's it, it's it's better than losing, that's for sure. That's we, what I said last week. It's always better to beat the Patriots. We've said this for weeks. You have to continue in whatever way you can to make this job attractive to head coaching candidates that are going to be interested in other jobs and yep. other teams are going to be interested in them. And Deshaun Watson did a fantastic job of displaying why you should be extremely interested in coaching the Houston Texans. That's the type of performance, and it goes totally under the radar based on everything else that happened in the NFL world, but that's the type of performance that we believed Watson could be in the same neighborhood as the Mahomes what we thought Lamar Jackson was going to be turns out he's not very good and things of that nature that's that's the type of performance that when a coach hopefully goes back and is assessing what he wants out of this team and he's thinking about taking a job he looks at that performance and he says damn I want to coach that guy I don't want to coach Matt Ryan's decrepit old body I don't want to coach Justin Herbert looking like Brendan Dassey I want to coach that guy what a reference that's a hell of a making (laughs) a murder I saw uh, Greg Bedard tweet out how what Bill Bill Belichick was, was saying about Deshaun heading into this game 
compare to Lamar Jackson, who the who the Patriots just played and beat the following uh, the previous week. And he said, I think Watson is really a complete quarterback, and they run very much of a traditional professional NFL passing game with the addition of a lot of RPOs and some moving pocket plays. Watson has the ability to make all the throws, handle the passing game from empty to three by one, two by two sets. So this is a very difficult offense to defend. And I would say Watson has shown the ability as a quarterback to be as versatile, really, as anybody we face. Well, I think, too, that's a, that's a game where a year ago, two years ago, maybe Deshaun throws two picks in that game. But he everything looked under control, easy. He wasn't forcing anything. Yep. I mean, he was trusting guys that, f- frankly, shouldn't be being trusted. But because he's so good, you can trust those guys. And... It, it, it looked really good. And, and as Landry said, it's good to see Kiki QT play because he looked very sudden out there in, his, in the way he gets off the line. More I, so I, than Randall Cobb. Don't be surprised if Kiki QT is not like a massive part of the game plan Thursday. And, and the reason I say that is because if you can't run the ball, a lot of times the way they've used Kiki QT, they'll just wedge him. Uh, they'll put him in motion. They'll wedge him. They'll throw like swing passes and stuff like that. I think you could see a lot of those dump offs to QT this week because he's, he's going to, I mean, he's, He's your third receiver right now. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he w- he had a huge part in the game plan. I, would, I wouldn't be shocked well, at all. But he should because he, he could be a key piece going forward. I made this comment to Cody on Sunday. It's weird to me that for a guy like Kiki, who, is, who has been inactive for like 80 to 85% of the games. He hadn't played since Baltimore. Yeah, he hadn't played since Baltimore. But then he gets in the game. And he always looks like he belongs. Uh, well, not only that, but it's like he's in the game and he's like involved in this pre-snap motion and he's lining up in the backfield. I'm like, wait a second. So this guy was inactive. And he's a backup. Then he gets in the game, and he's like intricately involved in everything you're doing. It's it's weird like he to misses, me. I know because then you see him. You see him in the, his even his rookie year. It's like okay, his first game he set the he set the receiving record for a rookie. I think he had like 12 catches against the Colts. Yep. Then all of a sudden he's in and out of the doghouse once again, and he's a part of the playoff. Uh, t- and he le- he leads them in receptions in the playoff game as well against the Colts. It's like okay, so you can just sit this guy on the bench no matter what happens after he makes one effing mistake, and then all of a sudden he comes back on the field and he's already a factor that should tell you something like that should tell you something and what what's maddening about this and I hate that I'm bringing this guy up but my gosh I think we could see Kiki QT emerge this year for the remainder of the season and you still have to bring back Randall Cobb next year because he's making 10 million dollars no matter what yep <laughs> it's unfortunate. I mean, we did they sign him out of spite for QT? Like, was that for were, DeAndre? Were they, just, were they just so were, were they just so disgusted uh, with Kiki QT that they decided they were going to overpay a, a, an aging slot receiver? Again, that's another one like Whitney. Where I would love to know what was the market for Randall Cobb coming off of a one year deal for five million in Dallas? What was the competing market for Randall Cobb that they felt the need he, to sign him to that contract? He makes Cole Beasley money, but Cole Beasley was coming off some of the best years of his career in Dallas. Yeah. And then he went to a team that just absolutely had to have that slot presence. The Texans, to Landry's point, already had a slot presence and that had proven he could be an NFL player. Now, if he's getting hurt, if he was hurt in Baltimore, like it's one thing for him if he got hurt. Like he started his career hurt. He's gotten dinged up a couple times. But there's been far too many games where he's been healthy and he's been a scratch. That's just an unacceptable level of healthy scratch when the guy can contribute like that. I've said this before and I'll say it again. 
almost every time Bill O'Brien dislikes a player because of personality issues, I side with the player. I just think Bill does not have a... I think Bill O'Brien... Like, Okay, I understand it's important to practice and to be smart and dependable, but if it's possible, he overrates that, and he underrates raw talent. I don't know how else to say it. His evaluation of football players, it's incorrect. Like, his evaluation... Fundamentally, his evaluation of what is important in a player is not correct. And there's no method to the madness. Like, a lot of times you'll see guys that... that can't evaluate players and it's like well they have this mindset they have this mindset there's no method to the madness and and I'll look no further than Thursday night and I know it was just a sack but Angelo Blackson who played 40% of the defensive snaps the last two years you 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 tried to play hardball with him and make him take a pay cut on a defensive line where you don't have players. You let everyone go. And the one thing he can actually do is I think he can stop the run a little bit better. He's got two sacks this year. So of all the STD lingers, the smart, tough, dependable lingers, the DeAndre Carters, the Buddy Howells, uh, the Alfred Blues, all these guys, you decided to play hardball with Angelo Blackson and you released him and he immediately gets picked up by the Cardinals and he's freaking starting. It just it, there's, there, there's no method to the madness like Carlos Hyde Carlos Hyde you 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 offer him a contract and then all of a sudden you go trade for David Johnson like there's there's really no method to the madness uh, when it comes to O'Brien like you're willing to pay half a Jadavian Clowney's salary uh, you don't want to give DeAndre Hopkins a new contract but you want Angela Blackson to take a, a freaking pay cut like what are we doing here en- what enough, are we doing en- enough about inept coaches who should not be head coaches and lost their job oh I can't wait for this I've been hyping this up I want to tell you guys about my pee-pee, my Peterson plan. Okay. Doug Peterson should be the next head coach of the Houston Texans. I'm in on this. He's a Super Bowl winning head coach. Enough said. He's going to have the best resume. Now, you need some help for Doug Peterson to even be in consideration. You need the Philadelphia Eagles to choose Carson Wentz over Doug Peterson. And that's not unlikely to happen. Now, it may happen a year from now, and you may not get your shot at Doug Peterson. But if it happens this offseason, Doug Peterson has to be the head coach of the Houston Texans because he has done everything he can at this point to try to figure out their franchise quarterback, and Carson Wentz is broken. Doug Peterson is not the issue in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz is. So if that franchise wants to pick that quarterback over a Super Bowl winning head coach who made Nick Foles a Super Bowl MVP, be my guest. Because the Texans should be knocking down the door to get Doug Peterson. It's not. Don't even interview anybody else. Get Doug Peterson if he becomes available. And by the way, as bad as they looked against Cleveland, you know, you know the folks around the Eagles are restless. They're, they're angry. restless. They're and angry. They're angry now. And they want something. Well, you can't move on from they the quarterback. Are first, though. <laughs> you can't move on from the quarterback, but you can move on from the head coach. The Peterson plan is potentially able to be executed this well, offseason. If they, if they do that, they're dumb. They are very dumb they if dumb. they do if that. If they do that, they're dumb. But what, uh, the, the less surprising things have ha- have happened. Uh, like it, it wouldn't be too shocking if they did do it. But if they did, I think that's the ideal guy. And you threw this out there too. Who did he offer to be his offensive coordinator last year? There was a conversation in January about making Josh McCown the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Interesting. What team is Josh McCown on now? Two-year deal. The Houston Texans. So I'm on the sideline coaching up with Deshaun. I, I like the idea. I, I don't know how realistic it is for Philly to fire Peterson, and I would want to know in my own like opposition research, like what really went wrong in Philly. Is it as simple as the offensive line injuries, Carson Wentz? How much of it is on Doug Peterson? Why can't they get the offense going since Frank Reich left? But yeah, the resume speaks for itself. I mean, it's not like he's winning 60% of his games, but he's been to the playoffs three times. He's won a Super Bowl he would be 53 years of age. Yeah, it's it's a resume. I would absolutely hire Doug Peterson here. I mean, he's a better version of the enemy to me, a more accomplished version from that, no that doubt. Same, from that same branch. That's so disrespect to the enemy. I think the only reason that the Eagles would maybe consider doing this is because this is a pretty attractive year for head coaches. So if you do kind of feel like things are getting a little bit stale there and you want to get in on some of these young guys, then this might be the time uh, to do it. I think, I think it makes sense. If, if, they, if they make that mistake, then I think it's a no-brainer, Doug Peterson. And you can't – that's the, the tough part about the Eagles is you have a substantial, a substantial sample size of Peterson trying to get the most out of Carson Wentz. And that MVP year of Carson Wentz, it ain't there anymore. He doesn't possess that anymore. And that's not Doug Peterson's fault. In fact, you may give Peterson credit for that being his second year in the NFL, and he does that for whatever it was, 13 games. When was the MVP. He was going to win the MVP. Yeah. And, and then he took Nick Foles, who was – It's crazy. I mean, was a punchline. doesn't get any crazier than Nick Foles winning a Super Bowl. And he won the Super Bowl. And then – the next year, he took Nick Foles, and it was a little shaky start because he had to start the first couple games before Wentz. Wentz comes back. They're not good. Wentz gets hurt again. And then Nick Foles plays out of his mind, including against the Houston Texans, and they make the playoffs, and then they win a playoff game on the road. Yes. Like, and he did that with Nick Foles. And then last year, wouldn't you know it, his quarterback got knocked out of the game and they weren't any good. And now it's all falling apart. He's got a terrific resume. I mean, I, I, I would not. I agree with Landry. If I was Philly, I would not fire Doug Peterson. He is without question a more accomplished, quote unquote, version of Eric Bieniemy. I, I don't really see a lot of downsides to that one. Unless people think that he's somehow caught lightning in a bottle. Maybe they'd argue that. Another thing about Doug Peterson, he has a reputation well earned as being one of the two or three most aggressive head coaches in the NFL. This is a guy who goes for it all the time on fourth down, uh, all the time on two point conversions. He's on the cutting edge of of where you want to be as far as from an aggressiveness standpoint, which this team would probably need more of that variance if it wants to really contend for a playoff spot next season, given that it might be a transition year. I'm intrigued by it, and I'm also getting more and more intrigued. Uh, I think Peterson's a no-brainer. I'm getting more and more intrigued by Joe Brady. I, I don't know. Someone's going to do it. I'm getting more and more intrigued by this Joe Brady situation and Eberflus. I think my top two right now, Saul is still up there, but I, I, I like Brady and I like Eberflus uh, as well. Brady, someone's doing it. Someone's doing it. Someone's hiring, someone's hiring a 31-year-old who's never been a head coach at any level. Someone's doing it. It's going to happen. Is it going to be the Texans? Is it going to be the Jags? Is it going to be the Falcons? Is it going to be uh, the Jets? Is it going to be the Lions? Someone's doing it. You got you, you to at least entertain the possibility of, of Joe Brady. Someone's going to do it. Someone is going to do it. I mean, that, that's a that's a worthwhile interview. If you're going to go through a big process, and look, I just said it. If Peterson's out there, yeah. do whatever you need to do. Get that guy. If he's not going to be out there, because it is more than likely Philly looks around and says, okay, injuries, this and that, we're going to bring him back. 
you have to interview Brady because he's so different from all the other candidates. Eric Bieniemy is a guy that's going to be well coached on the interview process. He's gone through all these different interviews. Yep. So I don't believe you're actually going to learn that much from the interview process when you talk to Eric Bieniemy because he's going to be coached up and he's gone through so many of these. Joe Brady will have never interviewed for a head coaching job in the National Football League likely when you talk to him. Maybe he's hit one of these other teams before he gets to you, but it's going to be very early on in his process and how, how he handles that Maybe he comes in and he just blows you away with, I can do this with him. I can do this with Deshaun. I can do this with this. You know, these are the guys that I want to coach my defense because that's going to be important with this, with an offensive-minded guy is who can you bring in to fix this defense, to help this defense that can coach up a defense that's not going to have a ton of talent on it. Before we, that, go ahead. I was just going to ask, do we think that uh, Cal McNair asked Deshaun Watson about this, about these kind of topics when they uh, reportedly had dinner at some point in uh, the last week? I was fascinated by the, the report of Cal and Deshaun having dinner because I just don't believe that that's a, hey, who do you want to be the head coach conversation? Well, I think it's a lot more than that. Sure, sure, sure. Right. Sure, but I don't know that he's, I don't know that eventually they get to the point where he's like, well, who do you want? And Deshaun says, oh, well, I want this guy. Like, yeah. I, I just don't, you know, it's not like, it, to my it, knowledge, it's not like Deshaun's agent rep, reps a big-time coaching candidate or anything of that nature. It's an awkward question to ask because there's the inevitability that, hey, ultimately Cal's the guy who's hiring the coach, and so you don't want a situation where Deshaun like lists one or two names and you go elsewhere. Do you think it's more more of a hey, what like you've you've played under Dabo Sweeney? Like here's how I would phrase it: You've played under Dabo Sweeney. You played under Bill O'Brien. Like, what do you think about the kind of head coach that you want? Like, what do you think works? What do you think hasn't worked? Like, what are your thoughts on the guys who have been your head coaches? I would ask him something like that. I don't think Deshaun's really like a guy. I, I, I think he's just going to go with the flow. I don't know that he's going to like stick his chest out and have have a preference. And quite honestly, I don't know that he'd really. I, I feel like he could play for any coach. I, I don't feel like there's – you're never going to have a situation where Deshaun Watson's clashing with a coach. He's not – it's not – that's just not how he's wired. And, and I really don't know – I guess you got to ask him, but I don't know how much stock you would put into he wants to hire this guy. I don't know how much that matters, although he is, you know, the most important person on the franchise. I just don't – I just don't see that. And we also got to – we also don't know who's going to be hiring the coach. I think that's going to matter. Uh, who is the GM going to be is, is something that I think – I think that – a lot of GMs probably have coaches that they would like to hire, uh, and they already have someone in mind. So I think the GM will also lead us in a direction of, of who the next coach is, which based on the reports this week, the conflicting reports everyone was <laughs> saying between Adam Schefter and John McClain, Jack Easterby, it looks like, is going to be a part of things moving forward. And a lot of people are upset about it. To me, I'm actually, I, I, I actually look at it the other way. I'm excited about it. And the reason that I'm excited about Easterby being around is because if you connect the dots of, first of all, I think they know what GM they're hiring. There's zero doubt they know. It, it, it would stand to reason it is a lot easier to back channel a yes from a GM than to back channel a yes from a head coach. It's been two months almost. Yes. Like it, 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 they, they've had two months to think about this. So they have an idea of who the GM is. So I think that both of these reports were actually true. I think that, I, I think that, uh, 
the, the next GM probably did have a say-so in whether he wanted to get rid of Easterby or not. And I also think that Easterby is going to be working in the organization. So I think that based on that, I think they're hiring a GM that has ties to Easterby, which brings up some very intriguing names. Uh, if you just look at what GM would be okay working with Jack Easterby, because... Uh, he does have a lot of connections. Say what you want. Uh, the, the guy that immediately came to mind was Mike Borgonzi, the director of football operations with the Chiefs. Uh, they both have the same agent. They were both in Kansas City at the same time. So I think that would point to maybe bringing in Borgonzi uh, and bringing in a B enemy. And I'm just trying to make – I'm just trying to connect my theory sure. with the connections. Uh, also, you got to look at anyone in the Colts organization because they almost hired Easterby and McDaniels. So you have those connections. Casario, obviously, we've been through that. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and there's another guy that he has the same agent as that I think is a guy that we don't really talk about with GM. But I think John Spitek uh, with the Tampa Bay Bucks is an intriguing name. He's about 40 years old. Uh, he's been with Tampa Bay since 2016. He was with the Broncos three years before that, so he won the Super Bowl uh, with Kubiak. And before that, he was with the Browns uh, for a couple years. Uh, he drafted five. He he drafted five guys that uh, that made the Pro Bowl, uh, and he's worked with John Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Mike Holmgren, John Elway. I think Spytech is a, is a, is another Easterby connection that I think you could keep an eye on, and then Joe Showen is the final one, uh, the assistant GM of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he's he's been he's been there for a while. He's kind of I, one of those young grinders too, uh, Joe Showen, uh, who I think would probably consider bringing in Brian Dayball too, who was with Easterby in New England too. There you go. So you, 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 the web is quite connected, and I don't think I mean if you told me it's Brian Dayball, if you told me it's Eric Bieniemy, those aren't bad head coaching decisions you're going to get you're not going to get widely panned for making that decision as your head coach um any concern from the buffalo crew saying no thanks because of gain because of brian gain I don't think you're going to turn down a GM job regardless, well, right? Well, that, that's the thing. I, I'm, maybe Gain would warn them about the situation. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what, what he's but thinking. But is it the same situation? Because there's no well, there's no O'Brien. There's no O'Brien, but there is Easterby. And I'm wondering, like, how much of a role did Easterby play in the firing of Brian Gain? I mean, come on. How much role did he play in that? I mean, come on. I mean, it, it, are, right? you, are you asking me how much blood is on his hands? Yeah, how much blood is on his hands? Okay, well, I think he had to take a lot of scrubs to get it off. Well, exactly. And so if Gain, if I was in Gain's shoes and one of these guys had asked me, hey, what do you think about working with the Texans? I'd say, watch out for Jack Easterby. Although, ostensibly, if one of those guys were, were, were to get hired here, they would have more job security than Easterby by virtue of being hired more recently. Well, speaking of Easterby, what level of stock do we put into the report from Jason LaCanfora that Jack Eastery makes, quote, over $3 million a year? Well, because if he did indeed make that much money and he had a multi-year contract, it would stand to reason that Cal McNair, who's writing a check to Bill O'Brien to go away, also doesn't want to write a significant check to Jack Easterby to go on. away. $3 million? Over $3 million. That's crazy. I've heard over a million, which I'm also not thrilled about, but if, they, if they're paying him over three million a year. I mean, that just is another example of just the lack of decision making by this franchise. Because where was Jack used to be getting that kind of money on the open market? We're, we're all college football fans. We've seen college football team after college football team bid against themselves yep. and give coaches extensions for no reason. Paying Jack Easterby three million dollars when he left New England by his own accord is that is crazy even if you gave him a little bit of a bump in pay yeah. with the change of his title 
not, and I'm not talking about interim GM. I'm talking about executive vice president of football operations. If you gave him a little bit of bump, if it went from over a million to over three million based on a title change, what does this guy do? Does he does he sprinkle magic fairy dust around the organization? What, what's going on? It's not like he kept COVID out of the building. He that's true. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be curious to know if all 32 NFL coaches make three million dollars a year. I wonder if there might be a few who don't who are not quite up to that level. It just it, it would be a gross misuse of resources, to say the least. But writing you would agree that writing, let's say he signed a four year deal or a yeah. five year deal, a 12 million dollar check or a 15 million dollar check on top of what you wrote to make Bill O'Brien go away. That's a difficult check to write as opposed to a three or four million dollar check, which is what we thought, you know, if he's making over a million, that would stand a reason why Cal McNair, when it seems like nobody wants Jack Easterby to stay, Cal yes. McNair has, has gone against all thought, rational thought in keeping the guy. Yeah, here's where I'm at. I- I'm not happy about this situation. I know that Jack Easterby is going to be here, so I'm just going to have to live with it. Just kind of like I had to sit here and live with it when the Texans fired Gary Kubiak, but but kept Rick Smith, which I also was not a fan of. And basically where I'm at is you guys mentioned the guys that Easterby threw either himself and or his agency would have connections to. I'm hoping that Landry is correct, that they have a good idea of where they're going to go with their next GM, that it's a good, qualified football guy. He can work with Easterby. And then at the very least, they will have a real general manager, which they haven't had since June of 2019. And things will get better just because if you go from the worst GM, maybe in NFL history, to even an average guy, at least we are upgrading significantly, even though I have deep reservations about keeping Easterby. That's where I'm at. And by the way, Everybody who they've talked to or who they want to be the general manager will say whatever they need to say to get the job. And then a year in, they can go up to Cal's office and say, you know what? Actually, Jack's kind of in the way of winning. Jack's in the way of progress. So let's they get rid could. of him. But that also ignores like the way these searches work in that if Easterby is helping guide the search a lot, then they might reach out to people who are already predispossessed to say that anyway. Well, you know what I mean? We thought Bill O'Brien was on board with Jack Easterby, and Jack Easterby you know, saw him on, on the way out the door. So the, ne- the next general manager could be on board with Jack Easterby and then see Jack Easterby out the door. That's true. I would love to know, I would love to know Easterby's thoughts on the day B.O.B. got fired. I would love to know that. I don't think I anything surprised him. I, I, I feel like I, I feel like Easterby has had an idea that I think he had an idea that game was going to get whacked before it happened. Okay. I think he had an idea that Chris Olson damn sure was going to get whacked uh, the day it happened. Uh, and I, it, it would shock me if he didn't have an idea about Bill O'Brien. I mean, that was his whole thing. He's supposed to evaluate people on how they do their job. So I don't think anything would surprise would, would have surprised Easterby. Okay, but then my next question would be, what was Jack's role in everything that's gone wrong in the last year and a half or so? Like, well, was, he, was he, am I supposed to believe I that mean, he was according kinda- to Bill O'Brien and according to him, before the bill went away and Jack Easterby didn't talk anymore, it, it was significant. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's a quote about personnel. There's a quote about salary cap. There's a quote about everything. Uh, you heard them talking about the draft, how they were uh, spending every day together and they were walking 10 feet away from each other on the street and all that stuff. Like, if you, you can't just wipe away what Easterby did. My thing is, though, is do I need to just start looking at this as a situation where a guy got a chance to do something that he wasn't 
built to do. He wasn't, he, he wasn't, he wasn't built to be a GM. And now he just goes back to his original role and all's good. Cause you see it, you see it a lot. A lot of times people will get promotions and it's just a disaster. And then all of a sudden they put them back <laughs> in their role where it actually, where, where they're actually more comfortable. The so Peter maybe principle. that's, maybe that's how I just need to look at this Easter B situation, but it's really going to depend on who the GM is. And if it's a respected GM and if that GM is going to make it clear that he wants the personal, cause I don't think Jack Easterby I, I don't. I, I well, don't think he likes the backlash that he's getting right that's now. That's the weird part. Is it weird to you guys, Landry and Cody, that on numerous occasions now, Cal McNair has had to go out and say <laughs> that one of his key employees, and I'm using that as like a term of art, like a key employee, is not going to be the GM. Is that weird to you that on multiple occasions he has to reach out to significant media people and say, "By the way, this guy who is my senior vice president, my director of football operations." will not be the GM. Isn't that kind of weird when you think about it that he has to do that multiple times the last month? Well, it, it is kind of strange because he tried to clarify things and then ultimately made everything more murky. Yes. Because he wouldn't define what Jack Easterby was going to do. Is he involved in this? Is he not involved in this? I do believe at some point Jack Easterby wanted to be the general manager of the Houston Texans. I, 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 I totally believe that. Well, why wouldn't you want to be that? Exactly. Whoa, exactly. Whoa. Think about the... You'd make a freaking movie about the guy. Yeah. He goes from team chaplain to general manager, and if you ever won anything of significance, hell, they made a Moneyball movie about an A's team that never even played for a World Series. They'd have made two movies about Jack Easterby. They'd left you with a cliffhanger in the first one, and then a the year later, they come out with part two. But I think <laughs> I kind of feel like it could still be a good movie, by the way. Uh, Jack Ah. Movie. I kind of think it would still be a pretty good movie, even if he's not the GM. So you, you have, you, you, I mean, I think at one point he wanted to be the GM. Okay. Then. And I think because there's so much extra around his rise to where he is and the potential for him to be the GM, I think because there's so much extra around, he now doesn't want that. And I know Mike Florio has been very critical of that because he can then have power with no consequences. Yeah. I don't believe that's going to be the case with the next general manager. If Landry's right and he just goes back to character coach, make sure that you know you put in the new face scanner so you don't have to touch the doors, cool. Good, good well, job. That's wasted $3 million every year. Yes. I could do that. Landry could do that. Uh, maybe. Probably not, actually. Mike, three million. You could do it for. You could do Jack Easterby's job for a million dollars. Yes, absolutely. I, I would be willing to do it. Yeah, and yeah. The whole thing. Well, part of the weird part about what you were saying, Cody, is so Easterby wanted to be to be the GM, according to you. Then he didn't. It it, it actually would make sense from the standpoint that. If you're a football general manager, you cannot have the same relationship with, relationships with players that used to be had no, you can't. when he was in Kansas City. You can't City be the right-hand guy of the coach. There's no, there's trust issues. Yeah, there are trust issues because you have a conflict of interest. Like you have to be like you have to be you have to be the bad guy. If you're the GM, you ha no matter what organization you are, maybe the NBA is different now, but like you have to be the bad guy because you have to tell players things like, hey, we got to cut you or hey, or actually even worse than cutting you is, hey, you think you're worth this? Actually, no, we think you're worth this, which is way less. Well, the you way they negotiate the deals, the way they negotiate deals, they're giving players more than what they're worth. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. Yeah, they're not negotiating uh, that way, yeah, but I they should be. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that the Texans really negotiate uh, <laughs> yeah. like that when it comes to that. Man, it, it's just, it's really... You can say what you want. Touchdown. Uh, we're watching the uh, Tampa Bay game. But you, you can say what you want about the, uh, about the Easterby thing. It's weird. 
absolutely. It's just weird. Like yes. it's, it's not like the, it's it, it's it's weird. It's like nothing we've never seen before. Regardless of what he is going to be, what he isn't going to be, it, it's it's really weird, dude. Like oh, I weird. just want to know who's going to play. Landry in the Jack Easterby <laughs> movie when they cut to Landry in the radio the studio radio, yeah. talking about how weird it is that Jack Easterby has all this power <laughs> and we don't know what he does. Who's going to play Landry in the movie? It'll be like Ryan Reynolds in a cameo. That's like his one scene. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's a little... Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Well, Perfect. Little, just a little... Uh, little uh, put him in the mix. Jeez, you gave Landry the glow up on yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah why not? I, I I'll, I'll, I'll be complimentary. It, it's, it's, uh, it's the holiday season, it's kind of. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm intrigued, though, by this uh, by this GM hire, but uh, but I do think I I think I think that list of candidates that I gave you uh, is going to be uh, the the list of guys to look out for, and I think it's the right list. You you laid out Spytech's resume. I, I like that he's been. I like I, he's I like been what, in different places. I like what Tampa's put together, uh, and then having been in in Denver, he sees and a bunch of Super Bowl. He sees a bunch of what not to do because if John Elway was the GM, I think you'd be seeing a lot of what not to do. I mean. Some of the stories we've heard about Elway and some of the missteps he's had in his tenure. So, I mean, look, I, I think your point about they got to know who it is and they're just waiting. They know. You know, I actually just they know. A, they have they have. To, I mean, you, do I you actually not agree now with remember. That I remember who Spytech is. <laughs> like the name kind of stuff. He played linebacker of Michigan from '99 to '02, and I finally put it together. It was like somewhere in the recesses of my mind. That is my that that is what I cut in for is my useless yeah, comments I'm about how you, I remember them. The, the he's a look, Michigan man. He's a Michigan that? guy. When you yes. look up the Spytech resume, it's 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 pretty it's pretty impressive. Uh, but you got to look out for the the Chiefs as well but it's 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 an impressive resume it's a it's a very impressive layout uh and it's it's, it's going to be interesting but do you agree with me that any company worth their salt if you have two months to think about who your next GM is yeah. they know who they're going to hire what was the lock in for a report on Sunday where he he basically reported that the, the same things we've heard Romeo not a candidate used to be not going to be the GM he I think he wrote that basically I don't really trust what he writes but he but for reference he wrote that they're going to be starting interviews like right after Thanksgiving basically but, but, but they can start interviews they know who they're hiring I don't know that they know definitively. I think right now they have a pretty good idea of the key interviewees for the GM job and where they want to go. That's my that would be my take. The the, the tough part is is we 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 the three of us do not have a ton of reference point in the corporate world outside of the radio business. And how many times have we heard about a job opening up in radio? Yep, and, and it's already set. And by the time mm-hmm. the public sees it on a job board or it gets out there that it's open, there's already four candidates lined up for an interview, and there's already one guy in mind for the decision maker who they want. Well, did we report on the podcast about a month ago that John Dorsey was interested and they told him no? Did we say that? Yeah, I said that. Okay, well, so you said that. Well, that would give you an indication that either they just hate jo- uh, John Dorsey or they have a pretty good idea of where they want to go, right? Because otherwise, e- even if you don't really like John Dorsey, he's got the kind of resume so we'd say, hey, if he's interested, let's at least interview him. If they're telling him no, that would lend credence to this idea we're discussing collectively that they have a they have a good idea of where they want to go. Does that make sense? Yes, I, I, I agree. Or Cal's buddies with the Browns owner. Possibly. <laughs> they are. I would love Haslam. to know. Cal oh, yeah. and Jimmy Haslam. Uh, Haslam, I would, yeah. I would love to know who's 
who Cal's owner friends are in the NFL. The Browns are, are an example, are, are like a hopeful example for the Texans. They won't have as good of a roster next season because of the, the issues that we've talked about. But the thing about the Browns, like they they hire a young guy in Andrew Berry, who I think has the the ability to be a really good GM, and they hire Kevin Stefanski, who clearly looks like he is a good young head coach. And this is after a couple of years of just, I mean, God knows what was going on in Cleveland. Blowing top picks. Yep. Inconsistent coaching hiring. Yep. Yeah, and they still have problems, but I think I think now from a football operations standpoint, they run pretty well. And I and I really feel like I am like I, I'm honestly, guys, I'm looking at these names, and I feel like I'm in a spot where beggars can't be choosers because after going through the last year and a half, I'm looking at these names and I'm like, oh, these are actual football people, <laughs> actual football people running things to the GM. Like even that's going to be a significant upgrade for this team. That is that is I feel that's that where way. I'm at. I feel that way with the GM and the coaching possibilities. Like there's not really there's not really anyone that I'm banging on the table saying I don't want to hire this guy because I think the yes. coaching is going to improve no matter what and from the GM perspective I mean you're going you're, 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 you're coming away from the worst GM in the history of the NFL all these guys are going to look awesome yeah they're all going to look good they're real football people that's one of the biggest things is if Jackie Easterby's not going to be the general manager you have eliminated what is potentially the only that's a bad hire that they could have made the potential the potential of oh well you you know for sure that's a bad hire easterby was the only candidate for gm where you could say that effectively and no if it's spy tech if it's the chiefs guy if it's a guy off the colts we'll have three or four years to assess and understand and maybe know about this guy the only one that was for sure that's not it was jack easterby and they have seemingly eliminated that from possibility and then from the coaching standpoint Look, we, we all agree. It's going to get better just because it couldn't get worse because O'Brien and then followed up by the twigs, as Landry likes to call them, uh, just horrific, horrific. I, I would hope that the coaching staff overall is going to be upgraded. I don't think O'Brien as a head coach was a complete disaster. I think it turned into a disaster by the end. But you're right, Cody, in that based on the names that we're looking at, there's a really high percentage chance that, as Jamie Roots said last week, hope will spring eternal because the rest resumes of the guys they hire will be good enough to where there will be buy-in over the offseason. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it. I, I really, really am excited about it. Uh, what's going to happen, the possibilities. I mean, I think I think you can compete next year. I think you can be one of those nine, ten win teams. Uh, and, and I think if you just look at the names that we just mentioned, I mean, all those guys are guys that you would want in your organization. I, I, I can't remember, and maybe it's because we haven't had to be in a coaching search or GM search. I can't remember just this many quality names just being thrown out there. Like, there, there are just some really really good names being thrown out there and I also wonder because originally I didn't think that there was any chance that you could get Dabo Sweeney or uh, Lincoln Riley I just wonder if college coaches are going to be more open to the NFL potentially given you know just how wild ass this college season has been <laughs> because they haven't run it well because of COVID <laughs> everything's getting canceled everything's going on Kids you're having can't to deal come with visit. Zoom. yeah like I, I, I just wonder how many college coaches that maybe wouldn't have considered the NFL before because I think you'd be a fool to leave a job like OU Ohio State or something like that I think those are the best jobs in coaching and there's longevity but I just wonder if some of those guys like the Sweeney's and like the Lincoln Riley's are going to be more open to potentially going to the NFL. 
Well, Lincoln Riley, I think that it's a valid theory. I mean, who knows how it applies to 2021 when hopefully things are, I think they'll be back to normal. Uh, but Lincoln Riley's a name we haven't talked about. And that, and I just want to reiterate, I would absolutely strongly consider him as a head coach because of his age and more importantly, his success as a head coach and what he does offensively. I, I mean, the way that he handled uh, that Spencer Rattler kid and, and has so far, uh, it was just, it was just elite. It, it was just elite development because, you know, you bench him against Texas in the Texas OU game. You, you bench him in the first half. You bring him back in in the second half. Uh, the kid kind of finds his groove, and now it looks like the kid's starting to starting to ball out a little better at OU. I just think this. I think the way that he handled him, uh, who knows what he could do with Deshaun Watson. I mean, the guys, the, the the guys just. It doesn't matter if the guy arrives on your campus a week before the season or what. Like it's just he he can work with quarterbacks. I'm open to Lincoln Riley. It, Very it, open. It, I hadn't thought about how difficult it is to do the the 24/7 the 25/8 job that it is to be a college football head coach throughout covid and that you know long term affecting someone because if you go to the NFL and you're successful you're successful. You, you hang around, it, it, you, you get another contract, you get an extension, you win, maybe you win a championship, and then you're there and you're set for life. If you're a, co- a big-time college coach, a la Lincoln Riley, Dabo Sweeney, and you go to the NFL and you stink – Two, three years, four years down the road. You can go back. Every college team that wants a new coach with college football being normal without the worry of trying to navigate the first couple years of the name image likeness situation, that all being settled, you can walk back into a established situation where you know all the rules of engagement and you can just dive feet first right back in and there'd be a line of schools ready to hire you and pay you exactly what you're making in the NFL. The don't tease me with Lincoln Riley. I mean, come on. The best hire though that could happen for the Texans and for like content is Dabo. Oh yeah. Da- I mean, it would be they, they would be one of the top five attractions. I mean, just the, well, the polarizing nature say. of him. Uh, what's what's the okay? Put together the the perfect <laughs> PR release of GM head coach you mean just talking about just getting attention as as, as to, have the, to have the talking heads giving you two thumbs up john dorsey on your two highs. Oh, john man. dorsey as the gm yeah. no doubt zero doubt <laughs> by the way he would do like four radio shows a week yeah uh john dorsey and then i guess dabo and the dabo so basically yeah. dorsey would be bringing in crimmins and felons and dabo would be essentially what's the verb here he would be like converting them yes that's what we will well that's that that's the mechanism that would yes. be the uh, that would be the machine that we would have here in yes. Houston. I just, I don't get, I, this is going to sound negative, but it's not. I don't get the same football savant, grinder, just with, with inherent Dabo? knowledge of football from top to bottom, left to right, position to position, player to player, that I think a Nick Saban has. But whatever Dabo's got, it works. And it would stand to reason that if he can hire the right coaches, which he's done for pretty much his entire Clemson tenure, if he can hire the right coaches in the NFL, stand to reason that it would work again. Yeah, I'm going to pass on Dabo. It scares me too much. Which, no, which it's I scary. Know, which, it's which, scary. Which I'm just talking content. Yeah, I, I know it's a ludicrous thing to, to, but, to throw but out But I just think he'd be won. more open to it. The only reason I'm bringing him up is because I think, I think these college coaches are at least going to give it a thought. Like, yeah, I think mm, they give it a thought. Huh. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think before this COVID year that that would have been the case. 
Dude, they just traveled to Florida State and had a freaking game get canceled. Uh, morning of. Hours before. <laughs> morning of the game. No, I, I don't think that's a crazy theory by you. They're realizing some of the things that are out of their control that administrators really control at the college level. Yep. And you would talk about, I mean, getting the, getting the right – you know, getting the, the 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 idea, the message of what the Texans are approaching. Talk about changing that prior to actually making the hire. If new GM comes in and new GM flies in Dabo for an interview, first Dabo gets a contract extension and a raise probably because yeah. Clemson's going to bend over yeah. backwards to keep him. Yeah. Second, everyone's saying, "Man, look at the Texans. They're thinking outside the box. They're they're forward thinking. They're you know." It's a, it, you know, there's no negative to, you know, trying to at least get Dabo to get on the plane and come have a nice meal. No, I, I am kind of interested in what the interplay is between the GM hire and the coach hire. Like, do they have two separate lists right now? Like is, or is, do they have combined lists? Is Corn Ferry sitting down with Cal McNair in their status meeting <laughs> and they are saying, <laughs> Mr. McNair, if you'll turn your attention to the PowerPoint over here on the wall. These are the GMs that fit with this coach. These are the GMs God. that fit with this coach. This coach fits with all the GMs. I would hope so. I like, it, like because they can't just you can't just do the list of GMs and then when the GM gets in the building, like, hello, Mr. General Manager, here's Corn Ferry. They're gonna help Dude, us find the coach. You want to talk about wasted money? Like, the, yeah, that that, yeah. That, that, that that is one of the biggest yep. fraud Ponzi scheme <laughs> BSs that I've ever seen in my life. And and I'm supposed to believe when you talk about this this Corn Ferry thing that because they hired Pete Carroll and Schneider in Seattle that I'm supposed to just throw a party for him. Pete Carroll was the best coach in college football. He won. I mean, you his name was his name was being brought up. It's not like Corn Ferry just all of a sudden like discovered this Pete Carroll guy. Like his stock was as high as it was at U at USC. Like if you want me to put together a list i just put together a list right there of resumes yeah. we can go over it give me 250k corn fairy I, I don't get this Ooh, corn i think they're thing. getting a lot more than 250k <laughs> i think that's i think it's around the price i think for well the texans need two things though so it might be double the price well right? and maybe they, there's a special they had, there's a special <laughs> yeah they had, who knows they had to purchase exclusivity <laughs> buy one search get the second for half off <laughs> That is another question, like how it works with the conflicts of interest, because like th th this is what they do exactly. Do they so build like lawyers or what? Or is it just like one flat fee? Like does Cal McNair say? I think it's a flat. F I think it might be a flat fee. I, I don't know. But like, let's say Arthur Blank wanted to hire Corn Ferry. Well, then how does Corn Ferry run a run a, a search for Atlanta and then Houston at the same I think, time? I, I think they are, I think they're only allowed to do one at, at once. But I think Cal. I think they have this, uh, Cal's full attention. Interesting. But like, but this is their only business, so they. Can't can't just have like one client, right? Well, that's why you buy exclusivity. Someone needs to do like an oral history or like a long article. I want to see how what this works. Who, who works there? Like, who, who are these guys? Go to LinkedIn, type in who works at Corn Ferry. Yeah, Let's see who it. works there. Yeah, you can you can find you I can find it. I yeah. want to see the, these guys, and I want to see their I want to see their entire resume. I want to see I want to see <laughs> what I want to see their I want to see their good suggestions and I want to see their bad suggestions. I need to look into this Corn Ferry who, thing. Who have you recommended that has failed? Yes. And what did you learn from? Yes. Were was Jim Tom Sula a client of yours? Ooh, was Tom Sula <laughs> recommended hire of Corn Ferry? Yeah, something, something, something's weird about this Corn Ferry thing. The, I mean, I it's, it's a big, it's a well, it's a somewhat sizable company. Like it, it's, it's, it, their revenues last year were about two billion. Because they do, they do. It's not just. They do it's not, it's they, not just sports searches. They do executive searches yep. around, across all businesses. Yes. Um, now, hey, look, you need to go find the right you know, vice president of human resources, 
it's not as easy to go find the resumes of all the vice presidents of human resources across the country. It's pretty damn easy to figure out. Like, if you told me Cal McNair, Jamie Roots, and the five people that are on the cabal that he said he was putting together were firing the coach, I'd have been fine. Corn Ferry feels like a, a, like a, it's not a necessity. I'm taking your advice, and I'm look. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm looking at some of these people <laughs> at uh, who are working at Corn Ferry and seeing what I think of them. Yeah, it's 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 weird. The, the whole thing the whole thing is weird. The whole thing is a little weird. And, I agree. And the, the, the fascinating part is Corn Ferry would never want someone like a media type to be in the conversation that they have with the executives that they no. talk to because they either A, wouldn't want the trade secrets to get out, which they'd be afraid of, or B, Everybody might find out that they're not as necessary as they seem to be. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see their hiring uh, hiring history. I'm going to look this up, and I don't know how many how many organizations actually use this. It just seems seems a little bit interesting. Like to me. Is, like the next time Arthur Blank sees Cal McNair, is he going to be like, "Dang it, cowboy! I thought I was going to get Corn Ferry, and you got him before me." Is he going to be? Is Arthur Blank mad that Cal McNair got Corn Ferry and got the I, exclusivity? I, I'm not sure that there is exclusivity. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by that. I think they I think they're running multiple searches at once, and I don't know how exactly maybe, that works. Maybe they have just the certain guy and his team work on this search, yeah. and then this guy and this team work it's, on this. It's search. a weird deal, Mike. <laughs> You're the lawyer. Yes. Why don't you start one of these things? We'll start with low-level colleges, and I'm, we'll just I'm work down. our way up. Yeah, I like it. And we'll be fully transparent we to find, nobody yeah. because these people aren't fully transparent. We can find coaches who want to move up the ranks. We can do that. I think we can do that. Strange. We can find everything. Strange. Yes. We can find everything. It's just weird. Thanksgiving football, though. I'm, I'm actually very, very excited if, for I would this. Be, I'd be surprised if they don't handle the Lions pretty easily. They're favored by two right now. They are going to Detroit. It the is Lions a are fresh different. off of a zero-point performance against a very bad defense. I think this is this is going to be two teams that are going to be looking for coaches. Uh, I think it's safe to yeah, say I that think the so coach too. is gone. So, that, that, and they're still sitting. They're going to be looking for a coach and a general manager. You know, so what? they're going to be in the Atlanta version I, of. The, I think so too. They're, they're going to be looking for a coach and a GM, just like Atlanta, just like Houston. You yeah. know what pisses me off about this? About like guys like Matt Patricia getting fired. He's going to walk back into a D.C. job? He's just going to be Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator, and Belichick's going to get his best defensive coordinator back, just like Will Muschamp's <laughs> going to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama next year, and you can see that coming from a mile away. I don't think Patricia's going back because I think Steve's doing a pretty good job. I think he's been okay. I think the Patriots' defensive rankings are pretty poor. Like they had 17 people opt no, out. I, I know. But, but I actually I, I think it's more likely Patricia goes back. I mean, the, the Lions situation is hilarious because I don't know that Jim Caldwell is going to be like the answer there, but it's hilarious that their whole thing three, four years ago was like, well, 9-7 and seven is not the standard, and like we need to do better. Then they hire Patricia, and he doesn't even approach that. Like He just makes them worse. And, they, it, and it makes the whole organization look just clownish. And they let him corrupt the general manager so that he was out there co-signing all these Patricia moves.
moves. Yeah. Using premium picks on a tight end in the top 10. It, it, it connects to one of my bigger theories about the NFL, which is that the, pa- the Patriot way has been a bad thing for the rest of the NFL. It has been a net negative. And by the way, you can point to a couple of these different jobs that are open or going to be open and things like that and have a discussion on, eh, is that job better than the Texans? Mm, I don't you know. I don't know. Is the Atlanta, are the Chargers, the Jets, the Jets? That job's worse. There's no question asked. You take the job in Detroit over Houston, you're an idiot. Yeah, it's, it's a worse job. You're an idiot. They're going to have to find a quarterback. I thought they should have drafted Tua last year. As it turns out, they should have drafted Tua or Herbert, to be honest with you. So I think they're going to need to have a quarterback change. And yeah, it's uh, it, it's and they've been a losing franchise basically for like 50 years. It's a worse job. Totally agree. It's a worse job. And they have a, a, a brand new owner at the top that you have even more questions about them than you would about Cal McNair who's only a handful of years into his ownership. Yeah, I think the, the daughter's running things as yeah, I the, understand the, it. The old lady stepped aside and yes. then, you know the daughter took over. The daughter took over, yes. Yes. Yep. What a disaster. Should what be fun. Thanksgiving football. I love Thanksgiving football, man. Should be fun. I'm excited. I'm excited that I get to give my full attention to the Colts Titans too on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm actually excited. I. I just want to. Just want to relax. Taking an NFL Sunday. Uh, watch the Texans first thing in the morning Thursday. Eating all that. I'm. I'm pumped for that. I love. I, I love. 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 Thanksgiving football. I also think too. Over the past couple of weeks, with just the the variability that we've seen throughout the AFC, that no one is as far ahead of everyone else as we believe them to be, with the exception of Mahomes and other quarterbacks, no one else is as far ahead of everyone else in the AFC as we once thought they were. Like yeah. even the Steelers, who for three weeks have kind of had a eh, performance, and they you know they they're can, the worst 10-0 team ever. They can end. <laughs> you know, Mike's Mike's friends at Football Outsiders said the same thing a couple weeks ago that they were the worst eight and team ever, according to yeah, Mike's. That's, that's very reasonable. You know, the, the DVOA. That they're Mike good. Likes to bring it's up. just yeah, they're, they're this is great. not ten and good. No, it's no. not ten and good. Absolutely no. not. No. No. I, mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that, like, I look at the AFC and it's two teams at the highest level, and then the other teams, the next tier is a level below. I feel like it's awkward, though, right now, because I feel like the Steelers are, uh, I don't think they're as good as their record is, but they're still really good. I think the Chiefs are the, are, are the most complete best team, and Buffalo is that one team. Like, you look at all these teams, Tennessee and the Colts, it wouldn't shock me if either one of them made the AFC championship game or if either one of them missed out in the playoffs, but Buffalo is just kind of the only team that it's just like they're where you expected them to be they're 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 right there and you just really don't know what's going to happen with buffalo once the playoffs come around the one team that if they made a run would would be it'd be annoying to me but i would be like hey good job by those guys is the raiders Boy, they were really good on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr, I know he was really good in 2016. I don't think I've seen him playing at this level because he is the reason why they're as good as they are on offense. Like, it, he's playing at a super, yeah, super Gruden's, high level. Gruden's doing a good job with him, man. Absolutely. Carr, Carr had an interception, an incomplete pass, and five drops. Yeah. He completed the rest of his passes. The, and the guys, out there, the guys out there are Nelson Aguilar, a rookie in Henry Ruggs, a rookie in Brian Edwards. Yep. And Hunter Renfro. Yep. The the thing also about that, and 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 I, I bring this back to the Laramie Tunsil thing. Has a team ever traded a player for two first round picks and regretted it? Like, how often does it happen where you, you, where, where where a team trades two first round picks and they actually the, regret it? The fascinating part about the that Mac trade is obviously what I'm talking is, about. You would you you can make a very sound and solid argument that 
almost any selection that is in the first round that gets traded, you would rather get the picks than the player. Yeah. You can make a very sound argument, even in Khalil Mack's situation. Yeah. With all the issues that the Bears have from the, on their offensive side of the football, the lack of swings that they've been able to take at a quarterback, from the, I mean, the my God, the Jets with the absolute fleecing of a box safety Jeez. for two first round picks. Jeez. I mean, my goodness. But for them, and then. You can go through all these recent scenarios and say, "I'd much rather have the pick than the player." Have you seen what I mean, the play, have you seen what the playoff matchups would be? By the way, uh, if the playoffs started today, are you are you asking me that because the NFC ones are probably no, no. I don't care about the NFC. I'm, okay, talking, the about, I'm, I'm talking about the SEC of uh, of conferences in football. It would be <laughs> Chiefs versus Raiders. Yeah, uh, Volume Three. It would be Buffalo versus Cleveland, and then it would be Colts oh. versus Titans. Buffalo Good. Cleveland would be a. I think I think, I think Buffalo would stomp them. I think I think I think Stefanski's setting this up perfectly to where he's <laughs> protecting Baker Mayfield, but they're going to have to. You, you can't protect him in the playoffs. No, you, when you, you win play, by throwing so, the football. Yeah, they're going to have to win by throwing the football. He's going to have to. He's not going to be able to do it, but he's doing a good job of protecting him. Well, well, well I don't know that they can win by throwing the football. Who's who's better, rookie year Lamar Jackson or this year Baker Mayfield? Um, I guess I'll go. I, I'll go with this year Baker because I think he's a little bit more steady. I'll go by a smidge. There's less volatility to his game. Yeah, less volatility. Like Lamar could go like ten passes with not a complete pass when he was a rookie. Yeah, but Baker. Yeah, I, I'm starting to become out on on Baker Mayfield. Are, are we? Are we with Cleveland? <laughs> this is good. Are we to the point where if Mike Meltzer could wish a concussion upon Baker Mayfield like he wished a concussion upon David Johnson, <laughs> that they would improve? It didn't work for the Texans. Duke well, Johnson, no, it I, turns out, couldn't yeah, get any better. Duke might I, I not think, be much better. I, I think Case, uh, I think Case, he's fine as a backup, but he's not going to be like a long-term solution. By the way, real quick, I, I just have one Texans point related to what you just said. I am actually convinced convinced especially after watching this last game and I, I know that there are there are personnel issues I agree with that the running game being this bad something I, it, 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 it's I blame the coaches more it, 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 I, if you have viable NFL players playing and I think they have at least viable NFL players it can't be this bad. no it can't I, I blame the scheme more it, than I blame players uh, which, which, which is good I hope it yes, is yes, I hope it is scheme because if it's scheme that'll make it a lot easier uh, to be able to fix it but when Romeo <laughs> Cornell and Tim Kelly blame COVID for this that was that was I, they should have fired Romeo on the spot uh, for saying that honestly like it's one thing for a jackass like Tim Kelly a B.O.B. twig to say it but when you're when you're 73 years old 51 years that, into this thing dude first of all everyone everyone had the same rules uh, you had Tunsil and Carlos Hyde not at camp last year. You're bringing back the same O-line. It's the same system. That's absolutely ridiculous. But I do hope it's scheme because something, it's crazy how bad they – like they, they, there is no chance of them running the rock. If they, if they get a three-yard run, I'm like, all right, good play. It also, but, but, but also, they might just not have talent at running back. Like that's, that's the other thing. They might just not have talent at running back because Carlos Hyde did rush for 1,000. No, I get that. But it's like there are so many running backs out there. It's such a high supply position. I know we're in the middle of the 
season. One of their guys is out, but it's like, how can there be this lack? Like, I think Duke Johnson, let's say Duke is not Duke here is next year. Duke is your number year. two back. You're in good shape. Yeah, like, like Duke would get a job on another NFL team. I think a bunch of them easily. So he's an NFL talent. He's a talented player, but it's like every single one of these runs, it's either like there's nothing at the line of scrimmage or there are one or two guys in the backfield. Every single play. I don't see I mean, how Mike Devlin, play. I don't see how Mike Devlin's still here. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, when, when have you ever, like, thought that the, the Texans were maximizing their offensive line with Mike Devlin? I, I, don't, under, I, I don't understand why he's still here. Like, what's he doing here? What, what, I just, what I just imagine, and I, I'm sure most people listening have experienced this. When you were in a relationship with someone and you're like, well, if this is as best as it gets, like, I don't know if I really want to be in a relationship. And then you get into another relationship and you're like, oh, this is what a relationship is supposed to be like. Yep. That's what I imagine when Nick Martin and Max Sharping and Titus Howard and hopefully not Zach Fulton and hopefully not Sineo Calamete, when all those guys walk in next year and they, they, get, they get in the room with the real offensive line coach and the real coaching staff on offense, and they're like, oh – this is Charlie Heck's going to call his dad and be like, Dad, <laughs> this is what the NFL coaching you always talk about is like. Well, yeah. let's hope so. Let's hope so. I know Landry's sick of the B.O.B. twigs. Tired of him. Absolutely tired. Tim Kelly's got a creepy look to him, too, uh, on the <laughs> sidelines. Like, I, I don't I don't I don't. He, he just looks like someone who hadn't showered in a week. Well, they're, uh, they're playing the a little better offensively. Oh, please. He's, <laughs> they're, they're 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 playing better. Uh despite Tim Kelly. It's it's going to be nice when there's when there's a nice breath of fresh air. It's, it's going to be nice to see him play the Lions too. And we're not we're not that far away. I mean, this is the next 2 months that we're getting this coach search and uh well, GM search, coach search. There's going to be a lot to dive into. Hey, what, this guy was on this team when they picked this guy in the 4th round and yes. he he wasn't a former water polo player. Uh he actually played football activated, his entire by life. the way. Yeah, yes. activated. Activated. activated and he's for sure Will he step on the field? He's for sure the 4th best tight end on the team. At this point, yeah. I mean, Aikens played an excellent game on Sunday. Fells is who he is. Farrell Brown showed some signs. Yeah. yeah. If he if he if if Kahale Waring is active on Thanksgiving. Yeah. After all of the absolute bullshit that Kiki Cutie had to put up with, <laughs> it is the ultimate no method to the madness at NRG. Is no method of the madness. Yeah, if that valid. guy is active when there's very clearly three guys in front of him that are way better, and and someone else who could help is sitting. The ultimate all-time bullshit. Because that guy's not an NFL player. Because if he was, they would have just stashed him on IR for two straight years. And I don't, I don't, I have nothing against him. But just the whole process of him being on this team yeah. and still being on this team. The, the process has been bizarre. And people the flying past him is bullshit. I mean, the, the pick really made no sense because it was coming off of drafting two tight ends the year before. So if you're going to go out on a limb and draft another tight end, that guy better be like some and they really weren't special bad. player. And they weren't bad. Yeah, they weren't bad at all. Like, if you're going to go on a limb and say, you know what, we have to have this guy. We got to have this guy in the third round. That guy better be an Good. ass kicker. Like they, a tremendous player who had, happened to fall. They had four tight ends on the roster when they drafted yeah, him. Yeah, because Ryan Griffin got, was there too. Remember, they had Ryan, got rid of Ryan, remember Griffin? Ryan Griffin broke the window? 
Yeah, Nashville. Yeah, uh, I'd be pissed too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, the whole the selection made the selection made no sense. And, I don't know if that's O'Brien or Gain or whatever. And as Landry acutely pointed out, Sunday, the selection right after Kahale wearing. Damian Harris. How about Damian Harris? That's right. Yes. Tell, well, who the Patriots somehow gave up on the running game after a series, which really made no but sense. It doesn't, but it doesn't matter because it could be Jim Brown back there. Yeah. And it, I, I'm not convinced that he could run the football. If Barry Sanders watches the game on Thursday, <laughs> That's, he might be rocking in his chair back and forth thinking that it's the old school Lions that he used to play for, yeah. except they're going to be wearing the Texans uniforms. Well, hopefully the running game somehow gets better starting on Thursday. All right, anybody know what the Rockets are doing? Me neither. Podcast over. <laughs>